I'm bad about that. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, so verses uh, 19, 20, 21 were Peter's Cotton's rabbit trail, and uh, we're gonna we we covered those last week. I'm telling, you, I think that's where they that's where he got his name, Peter Peter Cottontail. It was on a rabbit trail. Uh, so when we get to verse number 22. Uh, he, he's continuing on with verse number 18 because he's talking about Jesus Christ who once suffered the just for the unjust, um, <clears throat> being put to death in the flesh but quickened by the Spirit, and he's talking about Jesus Christ and his office. How many of you have, like, uh, uh, this happens to me all the time. You see somebody, you haven't seen them in a while. Hey, how you doing? Right? Good, how are you? What's the next word they say? Fine. Then, then what do they ask you back? Or maybe this just only happens to me. So what have you been into? What have you been working on? What do you, I, I think it's almost like one of these days I just want to say, oh, just watching The View and eating bonbons just to see what their, what their reaction was. I, I think that's why we, want to, we ask that question, or maybe at least my friends do. Have you been, are, you, are you lazy or have you been working? <laughs> are you busy? Are you, have you been working? Does anybody else, their friends, ask them that, that kind of stuff? Maybe just me. Just that's what they always ask. Maybe I just look like I'm lazy. Do I just, do I look like I'm lazy? Got to liven you guys up this morning. I don't know what happened. You were all out trick or treating, I guess, last night. You think you should have brought a handful of sugar with you. <clears throat> anyway, uh, what have you been into? What have you been up to? Well, have have you ever wondered that about Jesus Christ? What are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, I borrowed Keith's story last week uh, about the God drawing the rainbow with his left hand because Jesus is sitting on his right. I borrowed that last week. Yeah, I did. And then Joel put it on our Facebook. And uh, so uh, that's what we're going to look at here, verse number 22. Let's read that. Let's pray, and then uh, we'll get to work. Dear Emily, oh, I said we was going to read it first, didn't I? Let's not get away from ourselves. Uh, verse number 22. Who has gone into heaven, we're talking about Jesus Christ, and who is on the right hand of God, Angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning that you've given us, the great weather, and uh, Lord, this uh, fall time of year, the time of the harvest. And uh, we just pray that uh, as we look at some things behind the scenes, Lord, that you'll help us uh, uh, get some prepositions out of our minds, some thoughts that we may have conceived, uh, Lord, some errors. And uh, Lord, we just pray that you'd open our minds and our hearts up to the Scripture and uh, show us uh, a glimpse of your power and your authority and your rule and reign and that you would help each and every one of us apply it to our lives. And Lord, if there's someone in here this morning that's lost, that's not saved, I pray that today uh, that would change forever, for all eternity, Lord. Today is the day of salvation. We pray that that would happen uh, through the conviction of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, guide us as we preach this morning, and I pray that you'll do this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So, uh, I... I, I what is, what is specifically important and what is specifically uh, different about Christianity than, than any other re religion? And you know I'm not a big religious fan. I like, I like Christianity. I like Christendom uh, because it's applicable. But for number two, uh, it's, it's not really that hard to understand. Uh, I hear people say all the time, oh, it's just so complicated and complex. Well, I don't, I don't believe it is. I think if we just have a, a desire to learn, let's see if this, this air will work this morning. What do you say about that? Or is it just because I'm the only idiot in the room with a coat on and it's, it's still summer? <laughs> Are you cold? Are you chilly? <laughs> uh, 
<clears throat> but uh, uh, we, I think sometimes we get this, this conception of things that are different. And uh, I, I was kind of reminded of this lately. The conversation came up about what heaven is. And, and they asked the question about uh, what do you perceive and what do you think about heaven, right? Does anybody ever think about heaven? Nobody thinks about heaven? I, I, like, I like to think about heaven, but I think sometimes I catch myself being too enthralled with the junk that we have down here on earth. Our, our minds are consumed with worries of life and problems and issues here, and, and I think I find myself sometimes not looking forward to the future and not saying, oh, that'll be nice, unless, something, unless it gets really bad, right? And then we're like, oh, won't heaven be nice? And I think uh, sometimes we think of heavens just like fluffy clouds and little angels in diapers or playing harps and shooting bows and I mean there's archery in heaven I guess isn't that kind of what our conception of heaven is and uh, the the reason this topic came up was was the the guy said if if heaven is a eternal church service I'm not interested <laughs> now, he was going to heaven but that was his concept of what heaven was was just fluffy clouds and like nothing to do and just an eternal church service of straighten up clean up and act right I think sometimes we have that concept of heaven. Anybody else but me think that's what heaven, heaven could potentially be? Well, I, I said this last week. I, I hope that I can stand there at the gate and, and look at everybody's face. And I, I may say, could you take a snapshot of my face when I see what heaven's like? I think we'll all be shocked. <clears throat> I, I really, truly do. I think we'll all be shocked at what heaven is like. And uh, what, what I want to, we're going to park here on this verse this morning because I want us to look a little bit about what heaven is like this morning. And this will probably be more of a, a teaching and a pondering message than it will be uh, an evangelistic message. But I want us to, to look at just some glimpses of not really heaven, but what, what's Jesus been up to? What are you doing? What, what are you up to, Jesus? What is his role now? And the reason that this is important in, in Christendom is this, is because Jesus is no longer in the tomb. Jesus is not dead. Did, did everybody know that? <clears throat> that, that, is the, that is the cause and the means of our salvation because Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. And that's why we're enabled to be saved. Because remember last week that, that Peter was talking about not baptism, not by the washing of the filth of the flesh, but the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why this... Where are you at and what are you doing is so important because we know where, we know where Muhammad is at this morning, right? <clears throat> we, we know where Buddha is at this morning and we know where all these other leaders are at this morning. They're, they're no longer alive. But we have a Savior that is alive and he's parked in heaven on the right hand of God. Not so that God has to do everything left-handed, but so that... Uh, we look at that right-handed seat as a position of power and authority. And that's what that means, on, seated on the right hand of God. That he's seated, he's seated in the position of power and authority. And Peter tells us that. Who has uh, who gone into heaven is on the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and power being made subject unto him. The reason that is important is because if <clears throat> we've studied through the book of Hebrews before, and the reason that's important is because when Jesus, when God, took upon himself the image and likeness and the flesh of man, the Bible says that he became a little lower than the angels. Hmm, isn't that interesting? 
So I guess that shows us where, where we rank in this authority role because man is made underneath angels. They, we're under, under them as a, uh, like if you look at a military type authority position. And Jesus Christ, when he became flesh, he put himself a little lower than the angels, the Bible says. <clears throat> but now that he's gone to heaven, he's seated on the right hand of God and now he's been given that authority that is higher than the angels and powers, and we'll look at some of these verses here in a little bit. But I want us to ask, what's he doing? <clears throat> what's he doing? Must just be bored, right? Just sit in the chair. How many of you think about this? What's Jesus doing? He, he must be bored, just sitting there all day. I, I don't know about you, but I don't think I could just sit there all day. <clears throat> I know Keith has been cooped up for a while. He's going nuts. He's, he's cooped up. And uh, he, he made this, he said, the walls will close in on you <laughs> if, you're, if you don't, because we're made to work and we're made for product, production, productivity. And if we don't do that, I don't know about you, but I get pretty bored. We have spent, oh, not a lot compared to some people, but we've probably spent a month in the hospital combined between having kids and false runs to the hospital with kids and couple weeks or a week and a half with Atlee and we've spent a week on or a month on and off in the hospital our life. They're there very long and I start getting kind of anxious and she'll tell me go get something go do, go do something because I don't know just something about that really plush comfortable hospital room with the nice comfortable chairs and stuff and uh, the TV that you got to look at like this it's just it's a real inviting place isn't it? It's just miserable. I, don't, I think that's the worst, worst place besides the prisons, so they say, but they got cable TV and plush couches and stuff there too. But I just, I'm not very comfortable there. <clears throat> There's nothing to do sitting in that uncomfortable chair and I get, I get bored. Like, it's almost like coming to church, right? <laughs> uncomfortable, you guys seem bored this morning. Let's get a little lively in here. What do you say? Should we play a game? Should we stand up and do some exercises or something? No? <clears throat> All right. Well, let's, let's get rolling here. What, what is Jesus doing? I want us to look at 1 John chapter number 2 and verse number uh, 1 through 2. The Bible says that this is what Jesus is doing. My little children, these things I write unto you, that if you sin not, and if any man sin... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Now, what John is telling us here, he's talking to little children. He's talking to us. We're, we're little children. He says, I'm, I'm telling you, don't sin. How many of you think that's a good idea? That seems like a pretty good idea. Don't sin. But if you do, is what he's saying. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not ours only, but also for the sins of the whole so that's what Jesus Christ is doing at the right hand of the God. He is our propitiation for our sins. He's our advocate. Uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine last week, and actually Brooke's husband, and they got in a, a more in a fender bender. They totaled a truck and a trailer, but this girl uh, was probably texting and driving. Don't do that. <laughs> and she didn't see that they were slowed down to make a turn, and she took her car and wham, drove it up into the back end of the stock trailer. The trailer rammed up underneath the truck and spun them around. And, and then the truck and stock trailer <laughs> took off down the road, or the car in the stock trailer, stock car in the stock trailer, 
took off down the road and hit a tree. And uh, so we were talking about that, and he said, he said, I cannot believe this. He said, I'm already getting letters in the mail from lawyers. And I said, I'm surprised it took that long. Because we got, they almost beat us home from the hospital one time. We got home, opened the mailbox, and like, how, how, how did they find out? It's all these, I wish we'd have kept them. I, I bet we had a stack that big. Great big manila envelopes, thick, telling us all of our rights and everything. And you, you, we just put a stack of them up and it's unbelievable. How many people wanted to be our advocate? You have an advocate with us and all these different law firms around the area. And uh, really what they wanted was, I think it was just out of the kindness of their heart, you think? They really just wanted to take up for us and they thought it would be nice to help, help those people. I think that's what they thought. No, I bet there was probably some money involved, wasn't there? <laughs> but they, they wanted to be our advocate. And that's what that word advocate means. They wanted to be our representative in the courtroom. That's what an advocate is. That's what a lawyer is. If you ever get in some trouble and you need an advocate, it's not that hard to find one in the financial world. But in the sin world, because remember, we all sin. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And there'll be judgment someday. We, we, we uh, uh, Actually, we'll read that next week. There, there's a judgment coming someday, and we'll have to stand and make a case before God. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm inept to make a case before God. I, I cannot defend one of my... How, how can you defend sin? We try, to, we try to defend sin all the time. We try to lessen the, the result of it. Oh, that was... Well, let me tell you why I did that. <clears throat> we, we do that on a basis. We try to justify our sins, don't we? There is no justification for sin. So we're unable to justify our sins, so we need a lawyer. And for that reason, we have a lawyer, we have an advocate in Christ Jesus, and that is why he's sitting on the right hand of God. I don't know about you, but I keep him pretty busy. Does, does anybody else keep him pretty busy? So I don't think he's just sitting there eating bonbons. and No, he's, he's busy taking up for me. Oh, he's my advocate. <clears throat> I have an advocate with the Father. Look at this. <clears throat> Revelation chapter number 10, or 12, verse number 10. And the reason I need an advocate, now here we, we have it at the end, of, close to the end of the book, and I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and the power of His Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Isn't that interesting? Now, here's where the twofer was going to come into play. We were going to look at the condition and, and what's going on in heaven. And I'm going to brief it slightly just so we have time to get out of here today and, and you're not bored-er than you are already. <clears throat> so what is heaven like? We think of heaven as just angels shooting bows and blah, 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 and all that stuff we think that, that's going on in heaven. But did you know that Satan is in heaven? Have you ever thought about that? Did you know that? That Satan is in heaven. What? I thought heaven was only for you know, angels and grandpa and so on and so forth. No, Satan is in heaven. Well, I thought he was. I thought he sinned and was cast down to the earth. Well, we just read that in Revelation chapter number twelve, which hasn't come yet. Hasn't come to fruition. How do we? How do we know that? How do I know that from the Bible? Well, if you look in Job chapter number one, two, and three, we see a conversation that's going on in heaven 
with Satan having a conversation with God. And, every, and, he's, and God, what does God say? How about my servant Job? And then he goes on and gives the stipulations of things that Satan is allowed to do to Job. And they, that kind of conversation keeps going back and forth. And if you ever want to read anything interesting, go home and read that this afternoon. First couple chapters of Job. And we see that Satan is in the presence of God in heaven. Well, that doesn't sound like the heaven that I have in my mind, does it you? Hmm. And not only does that conversation go on, but... Who is the accuser of the brethren? That's what Satan's doing to you and me right now before God. <clears throat> what about old Steve? What, 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 look, catch him real quick. Look at what he's doing. Look at what Steve's thinking right now. Would, would you get a load of that? <gasps> Don't forget Joel. See what Joel's doing? Look what Joel is doing over there. I mean, that... that out <gasps> Andrew's doing what? Did you see him? Look at that. Look, look what's going on. What, what is that? He's, he's, the, he's the accuser of the brethren. Always accused. Well, don't think Ted's all that good. Look at what Ted's doing over there. That, that's what's going on day and night. Do, do you think Jesus is busy? Do you think the devil's busy? That's what he's doing. He's accusing us before the throne of God. I wonder how that conversation goes. God, would you, would you look at Steve? Would you see what he's doing? Look at what he's doing. That, that, that is what you call your child? <clears throat> If we have kids, we, we don't like it for people to accuse our, our kids, do we? And if you, if you get in a position to where you place your kids too high on a pedestal or on a throne and somebody accuses your kids of something, that'll really anger you. <clears throat> Won't it? Mm, that's my kid. You don't, you, don't, you don't accuse them. But if you acknowledge and you realize that your kids are just sinners like everybody else, it won't bother you too much, will it? If somebody says, hey, uh, you'll never guess what Wade was doing the other day, our reaction would be something like this. Oh, yeah, I would probably. Get, what did you see him doing? What, what, what was it? Yep, I believe it. Yep, I, I, I realize that. Yep. And then our conversation would go on, well, I'll have a talk with him and we will straighten this out. <clears throat> you know, our conversation with our Heavenly Father and, and Satan goes a lot like that. Except for Jesus says, nope, I've taken his place. His sins no longer stick. Remember our whole conversation about the red robe and the white robe? And we've made that exchange with Jesus Christ. And we, now have, we are now clothed with his righteousness. <clears throat> kind of puts a wrench in plans to people that think you can lose your salvation, doesn't it? Because John said, I, I, sin not. But if you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father, and that's Jesus Christ. See how God made this provision and this plan all the way out from the foundation of the earth? See, people that think that they are, have arrived in their Christian walk and they no longer sin, they've deceived themselves. And see, the problem and the issue with that is, is when people think they've arrived, then their salvation no longer depends on Jesus Christ. Their salvation depends upon themselves. And I have to ask myself this, if I had nothing to do with saving myself, how in the world could I ever keep myself saved? The answer to that is it's impossible. I can't save myself. I can't be a good enough person. I can't obtain the ultimate of self-righteousness is basically what it is. 
And if I ever could get close to sinless, which I can't even imagine this, I think my wife could sometimes, but then I have to just like make her mad and remind her that she's just as much of a sinner as I am. But if we ever could get close to that, then we would be found of the same sin that Satan was found of, and that sin would be pride. And if, if you don't think you have pride, just let me spend about five minutes openly with you, and I'll show you, I'll expose your pride. <laughs> it's not that hard to do. I don't know about you, but one of my sins, and my wife reminds me of this from time to time, not all the time, but you're just proud. What? Me? I, I, am, I am proud to say I'm the humblest person that I know. And she shakes her head just like that when I say that. Makes her so mad. <laughs> what? I am proud to say I am the humblest person that I know. <laughs> and, and why do I say that? But yeah, I'm, I'm, I have the... I, I, on rare occasions, slightly rare occasions, I can have the tendency for pride to creep in. Anybody else like that? Oh, I, I, could, really, I could really preach on my dad here for a minute. <laughs> I won't. I didn't ask him beforehand, so I won't. <laughs> but Christy pointed it out a couple weeks ago. <clears throat> but anyway, so if you want to know what it is, ask her. She'll tell you. <laughs> but if we ever get to that position to where we think, well, that's when pride will creep in. And, and that's the sin that brought down Satan. So we have an advocate. You're all going to be saying, hmm, I wonder what that is. You'll have to ask him after he asks her. <laughs> so we have an advocate in Christ Jesus. But I want, you to, I want you to picture that for a minute. Just that, just put Satan in heaven. And doesn't that just kind of throw everything out of whack? I know it did me when I, the first time I thought that in my mind, like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. You mean the devil's in heaven? I thought heaven was for only good people. How did, how did Satan get in heaven? Hmm, that's interesting. Let's see what else he's doing here in Hebrews chapter number 7, verse number 25. Wherefore, he is also able to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. So not only does Jesus Christ bring us to God and has that a power and authority, the ability, because everything we've talked about the last couple of weeks, and if you weren't here a couple of weeks ago, the only reason that he's able to do that is because Jesus Christ lived a perfect, sinless life. He was born of a virgin that made him different than any of the rest of us because we all came from our father, which came from his father, which came from his father, all the way to Adam. He came from that sin-cursed flesh from Adam. Well, Jesus Christ came from Eve, and his father is God, so he doesn't have that inherent sin nature like you and I have. He's special. He's perfect. And because he is perfect, he's sinless, he is the just. So when Peter talked a couple weeks ago about the just for the unjust, that's exactly what happened. Jesus Christ stepped in, put himself in my place, the sacrifice. What sacrifice? The just dying for the unjust. <clears throat> but we see also here in the, the latter part, of, if you'd pull that up real quick here, Cody, the latter part of that verse uh, of Hebrews 7.25, we see that he ever liveth to make intercession for them. One of the reasons that I, I just love the King James Bible is this TH. And that TH is a... Oh, fail in English right here in front of everybody. English, we have past, present, and future. What's that called? 
tense. Yeah, I think that's it. I think there's a fancier. Is that t it's just tense? That's easy. I had it. It's tense. We have three tense: past, present, and future. <clears throat> well, there's more than just that because there's past, present, and future, all three combined. What does that mean? That means that Jesus has made intercession for us. Jesus Christ is making intercession for us, and Jesus Christ will make intercession for us. It's a continual tense. It's a continual tense, past, present, and future. That means that He ever liveth to make intercession for us. That's, that's His job. Oh, what is intercession? He's a mediator. He's a go-between guy. That He talks to God for me, and He talks to God for you. Now, here's the problem. This is, this is probably where uh, Jesus Christ's job reference could probably get kind of boring sometime. What do I mean by that? It means that I cannot speak directly to God in this sin-cursed body, the creator of the universe, the all-holy, the all-just, the almighty. I, I can't talk to him. I need an intercessor. I need a go-between guy. And that go-between guy is Jesus Christ. So when I pray... Who's my intercessor? Who's my go-between guy? It's Jesus Christ. How often do I put him to work? Do I, do I put him to work enough? Maybe it's just before we eat. <clears throat> and Jesus is like, God, they're eating again. They're asking you to make the food good and not make them fat. <laughs> is that what it's like? <clears throat> God, eh, they're, he's praying again this week about his food. I hope it don't kill him. Is that the only time that we use him as our intercessor? Or should we do it all the time, all day, every day? Should it be the first thing we do when we wake up and the last thing we do when we go to bed and not just the first thing we do when we sit down at the table? Maybe it's what we should do when we sit in our pickup truck and turn the radio off on to the next job. Hmm. Maybe it's when we sit down to the computer for work and we're thinking, oh, look at this big stack of stuff i got to get done today. Maybe it should be then. Maybe it should just be like, hmm, I'm just thinking about you, Lord. What do you think about this? Maybe it should be that. Maybe it's not just about buying a house or making a job change or something big and huge in our life, but maybe it should just be when we're walking outside and we see a funny-looking bug and we just say, Lord, what in the world were you thinking when you made that? Why does prayer have to be so... We think we get in this little spot that prayer has to be so formal, don't we? Why can't prayer just be informal? Has anybody ever seen that movie, Sheffy? Has anybody ever seen? Nobody's seen that movie, Sheffy. You've seen the movie, Sheffy? I got it at home. We might watch that at church sometime. <clears throat> Sheffy's about this old evangelist. He was a riding evangelist on horseback. And um, people were always amazed how Sheffy prayed and in the movie. It's, it's kind of a corny movie. <laughs> but in the movie, they've, Brother Sheffy, you just pray like you're talking to a friend. He says, well, I am. Isn't that what prayer's supposed to be? Just talking to a friend. So that's, he's our intercessor. we got to hurry this up. We're never getting out of here. Uh, look at this. John chapter 14, verse number 1 and 3. Boy, I like this. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. It's so so interesting that God just prefaced it like this. Like, yes, in my Father's house there are many mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you it weren't so. But it is so. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, 
there ye may be also. What is Jesus also doing in heaven? He's preparing a place for us. He's a builder. So while he's defending you and I, and while he is making our intercessory prayers from Father, while he's doing all that, he's also a project manager under this construction job that's going on in heaven, preparing a place for you and me. That's a lot. You do do that work, don't you, Ted? Could you imagine doing that, being somebody's lawyer, and being somebody's uh, go-between, just all that, somebody's uh, receptionist, operator, uh, and leading a job? That, That would keep you busy, wouldn't it? You can't do it all. We can't do it all, but Jesus Christ can. So when you see him, don't, don't say, so what have you been doing? No, don't, don't insult him like that. We're going over what he's been doing. <clears throat> Look at this. Uh, go back to 1 Peter chapter number 3 if you would. <clears throat> We're going to look again here, verse number 22. And, and I had a whole, this is where the twofer got cut out because I had a whole list of verses uh, to, to build on this. We're going to cover it just briefly. Uh, Verse number 22, who has gone into heaven, talking about Jesus Christ, and on the right hand of God. Now, here's where we're going to look at this first little segment here. Angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. So while he is our lawyer, our advocate, and while he's our intercessor, and while he's got this building project going on, also... Now he has moved into this role of lieutenant governor, leader, uh, office manager, whatever you want to say. He's managing all these uh, principalities and powers that are underneath of him. So he's got all this other stuff going on that's even hard for us to fathom. But he also has this going on as well. Now what, what in the world is this? Angels. We all have the idea of what angels are, right? I think most of the time that is such a skewed, so far off picture of what angels are. It's unbelievable. Angels are mighty. Angels are a force not to be reckoned with. Angels are, uh, we're not supposed to fear, but if you wanted to fear, angels could be scary. Uh, Angels are not to be tampered with. You know, one angel can wipe out an entire army. Uh, an entire nation, we, we, we see this from Scripture. And we talked the last couple of weeks about there are good angels and there are bad angels. We talked about the ones that mingled and, and messed things up there in the first part of Genesis. Now those are no longer in contention. Those have been locked up in chains, reserved in chains in a dark pit. Those are not an issue for now. Their time is coming, but they're not an issue for now. But there are also angels that have left and are with Satan that are also able and capable of being in the presence of heaven right now. And those are the principalities. What in the world is going on? You ever see something on the news and you just think, that is so morbidly corrupt and evil for man to conceive in his own wicked mind? That thought ever come across your mind? Just like the guy in Las Vegas there a couple weeks ago. What could possess someone to possibly do that? I think that's potentially these principalities and powers that are bringing our wicked, sin-cursed earth. And the, the, the thing of it is, whew, 
the thing of it is, this is nothing new on this earth. When Jesus was on this earth, and you read through the Gospels, what, did that scare you? Everybody's like, this is Halloween. This is serious stuff. But when Jesus was on the earth in his earthly ministry, if he wasn't healing somebody or walking from town to town, what was he doing? He was casting devils out of people. That, that was his entire ministry. You'd come across somebody and he was cast a devil out of them and out of them. You, talk, you know, the, the one we always think about is the maniac of Gadara. And he had many devils in him. And it just makes us think, what would inspire someone to do the things that they do? It's these principalities and powers. You know, that devil, the devils that was in that maniac of Gadara cutting themselves, you know that's an issue we have today. That, that, that he was so strong that things couldn't hold him. If you look at the drug culture that we have in the world today and you hear these stories of these men that they can't erase, uh, arrest because they're just so, they overwhelm these police officers and I just think to myself, that's Bible. That, that is the wickedness that we're dealing with today. So, um, but here's the point I want you to get at. Go back and look at verse number 22. He has power being subject and subjection unto him. So here we are in this wicked, sin-cursed world with all this crazy stuff that Baptist... Is this still a Baptist church? Baptists don't talk about this weird stuff, do they? Gosh, we've been talking about some crazy stuff the last couple of weeks. But do you know what I think about? That when Peter is writing this letter, this was nothing shocking to them, was it? They understood these things. He didn't go into great detail and in depth in this weird stuff that we've been talking about because they knew it. It wasn't surprising. Now, Peter didn't have to cover like four. We've been talking about this, quote, weird stuff for three weeks now. Peter didn't have to break out into two or three chapters. He just covered it in a couple verses. But the problem is with, with modern Christianity, we say, oh, that's kind of weird stuff. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> and maybe we shouldn't talk about it. Uh, maybe that's not a bad idea. But when we're in church services, why don't we say, hey, the reason there's some wicked and awful stuff going in our world today is because there are evil forces at work. It doesn't just help us cope with this. It helps us understand that the Bible is one great big picture. And when we start understanding some of these verses, the picture just becomes clear. We're driving down the road yesterday, and Christy was trying to take, like, it would have been the awesomest picture ever. And we're driving down the road, and I'm studying, and I'm, you know, so I've got to hold the steering wheel. I'm driving, steering from the passenger side, and she's hanging out the window and, and trying to take this picture. And, and she's like, ah, oh, it would have been so perfect, but her phone didn't have it in focus. Well, when we understand more of these verses in Scripture, what does that do for us? It brings us into focus. And we see a lot of these things, and it gives us a better understanding. So when we see these wicked things going on around our world, the picture is clearer, crisper, sharper. It's not fuzzy and out of focus. And, and when a picture is not fuzzy and out of focus, we have a better understanding of it, don't we? And we don't just say, oh, God, why would you allow this to happen? If we see the picture clearer in focus, we understand why. We know that things are going to wax worse and worse before the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We just sang about it this morning. We, sometimes we look so, so forward to the end that we forget about the things that's got to take place in the meantime. And if we forget about those things that take place, in the meantime, we'll put too much stock in this world, won't we? We'll put too much emphasis. We'll put too much love for the things of this world. And God never intended us to do that. 
we're intended to look for His coming and not dread when things like this happen. So let's look at uh, one more place. Romans chapter number 8, and we're going to see uh, what, else, what else He's been up to. Romans chapter number 8, verse number 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Question mark. That's a good question, isn't it? What shall separate us from the love of Christ? I was having a conversation with my bride of 17 years yesterday. Now, you know you married a good woman wife when for your 17th anniversary, you can take them to a manure barn, take her to a horse show, and she loves it. And then the next day, you can get up and take her to a smoke meat festival, and she loved it. Like, that's, that's when you know... That's, that's when you got the business, when you can take your wife to a horse show and a smoke meat festival, and she is just enthralled. <laughs> Did you have a good time? Yeah. She was smart. She, we're walking around that festival, and she just she said, look at all these people that are just so happy with food, just like me. <laughs> I mean, they were pulling the meat out of the smokers. This one guy, he was down with his brush. I'm not kidding this. I'll, I'll do a reenactment. He got down with his brush. He just barely dipped the tip of it in the sauce, and he went, and then there was a photographer down with his, he's snapping, I mean, with one of them big cameras like Nicole's got, right down in his face, taking pictures, and I just thought, whoa, this is a whole different level. <laughs> and uh, we're, we're walking around, where's all the food? Where's all the food? And then after the judging was over, people were just saying, here, try this. It's the greatest thing ever. Like, they were just passing out pans of meat. Here, try this. And you just said, Okay. Grabbed a piece and tried it. It's in Nelsonville, 21st annual. The next year will be the 22nd annual, so you can go there and still make it to church on Sunday. So put it on your calendars for next year. <clears throat> so <laughs> where in the world did I get off with that? Oh, this is where it was. This is my rabbit trail, Cody. <clears throat> we're we're uh, walking around, and, and, and there's, there's dogs everywhere. <clears throat> and we have some dogs. I got a new dog. Yep, your preacher's got a puppy. <laughs> Who would have thought? <clears throat> and, but we're walking around this festival, and everybody has their dogs, and her and I have the conversation we often have. I said, I don't get it with people and their dogs. And she said, it is unconditional love. I said, I know, I see them. <laughs> she said, no, the dogs have to people. She said, it's unconditional love. It, and, and I kind of blew her off at the little bit but I'm like why well actually I said I have that for you she said no you don't I thought wow geez I think I do <laughs> but I think if we're not careful in our relationship we do have conditional love for each other don't we as long as she enjoys going to horse shows and smoke meat festival I love you baby but if if, if you want to start going to <laughs> no we 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 have to be careful if we have conditional love and I guess she's right that dogs, you can not feed them. What was that football player that was fighting them and stuff? And I'm sure his dog still loved him. And you can do anything you want to a dog, and they'll still love you. That's, that's, she's right. That's unconditional love. Our, a dog's compassion toward a man is not contingent on his care for. It's, it's unconditional love. Now, I say all that weird conversation to this because people crave that unconditional love don't they that's why everybody has a dog cats are different they're satanic i think but but dogs but dogs have that unconditional 
I'm just kidding. <laughs> but dogs, they do. They, they, they have compassion for you. And I think people crave that unconditional love that they get from dogs. Why don't we crave that unconditional love that we get from Jesus Christ? Isn't that what he's saying? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? It's an unconditional love. See, I think people that believe they can lose their salvation, they don't comprehend this because they think if I'm not a good enough person or if I sin or if I do this, that, and the other, then Christ won't love me anymore. No. Paul's asking the question here. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? I, here's the list. This is the list. This is a three-verse list we're getting ready to cover. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for slaughter. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that love us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, here it is, nor principalities, there it is again, nor powers, nor things that are present, nor things that are come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Are you a creature? You're a creature, aren't you? So even your creature-ish acts can't separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. Here we have it. He's a, it's inseparable, that love. So what's he doing? Back to this. He's our advocate. He's our intercessor. He's preparing a place for us. He's ruling and reigning over those principalities and powers that try to separate us from Christ. Do you get that? <clears throat> Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil as a roaring lion seeketh about whom he may devour. That is what's going on. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and dark places. That's what we wrestle against. They're trying to knock us down a notch. And they, those principalities and powers, are not able to separate us from the love of Christ. Why? Because he's an authority over them. He rules and reigns over them. But here we walk around in this world and we think we walk around scared to death, knees knocking. That's scary stuff. Don't talk about that. Well, well, why? Peter just put it on his list like, hey, you should know this. These principalities and powers and dark places, uh, Jesus Christ is an authority over them. They can't do anything to us unless they've been given permission by God. You'll find that in Job chapter 1 and 2 when you read that this afternoon. So the Bible says over and over and over again, fear not. Why, why should we fear? We know that God's in control. Jesus Christ is in control. And He's ever living to what? Love us. Love us. That's, that's the, the fifth, I think it is, one, two, three, four, five. That's the fifth thing that He's busy doing <laughs> is, is loving us. And from my position, and if you, you could probably even ask my wife, it's probably hard to love me. Is it hard to love me? No words. No words. I'll admit I'm, I'm not the easiest person to love. I sometimes get a little prideful. I get a little bit of selfishness in it. I get a little bit of, do I have all that? Sometimes. Still, again, straight-faced, No, not saying a thing. <clears throat> but you know what? Jesus Christ finds it easy to love me. Why? Because it's an unconditional love. His love's not conditioned on my behavior his love's not conditioned on my good looks my weight my hair 
my dress. <laughs> None of that. He, he doesn't care if I'm a good cook. He doesn't care if I'm smart, intelligent, which I am all those things. But he doesn't, his giggles. <clears throat> but he, his love does not depend on that. Why? Because that's true, pure, undefiled love. So, bring this to 17 years of marriage. What can we learn from that? Pure, undefiled, unadulterated love. And long-suffering, that'll, that'll help too, 17 years of marriage if you're long-suffering. And, and how do I know that? Because in this chapter that we read uh, in, back in Genesis, the long-suffering of God waited, on the, waited while the ark was a preparing. Long-suffering, that, that's the key to everything. So how powerful is the love of Jesus Christ? It seems like this is one of the preached, most preached on messages is the love of Christ, but it is true and it is pure. And for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That He loved us enough to send Jesus Christ to die in our place. And if you ever get depressed, down and out, think nobody cares about you, nobody loves you, that you're awful, you're wicked, you're sinful, you're whatever, hey, just remember that that is what's keeping Jesus Christ busy in heaven, is loving us. When you think you're unlovable, when you think you're unworthy of love, when you think you're... Jesus Christ loves you. And not only that, but if you're like me, you keep him busy with all the other stuff because the accuser of brethren is there night and day. Did, did you see what Steve was doing? I'm talking about that one, not this one. Did, did, you see what, did you see what Pickle's doing? I bet Satan has him nicknamed like we do. Did you see what Pickle's doing? Do, do, you, do you see what Pickle's thinking? Do you see how he acts? I, I think he's got him nicknamed. <laughs> he's our advocate. He's taking up for us. And if you don't think that keeps him busy, then you have yourself deceived so all of this is pretty irrelevant if you're lost if you're lost without God then this is irrelevant Jesus Christ is not doing any of this for you except for loving you and the reason that he loves you is because you are worth something you are valuable and Jesus Christ will save you he will become your intercessor he will become your advocate because right now, when Satan says, do you see what that guy's doing? God's like, yep, I do. Don't worry, judgment's coming. And Satan's pretty much, that's it. That's what it, did you see what he's doing? Yep, got it. And then guess what? Satan will say, I guess I'll take him. I'll put him to work for me. I'll put him on my team. You're not on God's team. So if you're in that position, then, then none of this stuff doesn't matter. He's not your advocate. He's not your intercessor. And, you know, that bothers people, lost people, when they say, well, you, you know, sending prayers or, like I say, the Facebook rabbit or whatever we're praying for you, it doesn't get anywhere because God doesn't hear the prayers of lost people because they don't have that intercessor with Jesus Christ. <clears throat> the principalities and powers do have dominion over their life. And in fact, they will use them to influence others because Satan has that influence, not Jesus Christ. He's not been put in that position. So how do we make this change? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yep, it's that easy. It's that simple. It's a complex salvation, but it's simple. It's simple. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, and it can be done just like that. How can you call on whom you have not believed? How can you hear except God send a preacher? And the Bible says, i got beautiful feet. No, it's because we're to go and spread the gospel. So that's what we're here for this morning. If someone in here this morning is not saved, if they're lost, don't leave that way. 
we, we're not going to have a religious experience with a piano playing or organs or we don't even have those. But if you're here this morning and you're not lost, you don't have to leave that same way. <clears throat> For Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. And that's what we're doing this morning. But if you are saved, how, how, how much is Jesus Christ interceding for you? Is He passing your prayers along or do we not even spend the time to do that? Do we ever feel like we can't measure up to God? Does anybody ever feel like that? Well, you're right. <laughs> you can't because you still fall short. But God doesn't love you for your goodness and God doesn't love you for your righteousness because you have none. That kind of puts us all in the same playing field, doesn't it? But just like... The Apostle John said, sin not. And we're going to get onto that next week. If you don't want to hear sin preached on, then, well, the hill climb's this week, so you can't go to the hill climb next week. But you come next week, and we'll, we'll talk about separation from this world. <clears throat> well, let's do this. Let's pray, and then um, we're going to have a short, brief business meeting. It'll be like the most simple thing in the entire world. And if you're visiting with us, you can hang tight, too. We're not going to run anybody off. It won't be that boring, but it probably won't be that exciting. I think this is the first time we've ever done this, so let's, uh, let's pray and then we'll do that. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us this morning. Lord, I pray that if there is someone in here this morning that's not saved, I pray that uh, they would get that settled forever. And Lord, if they have any questions on how to be saved more uh, than what we've talked about this morning, I pray that you'd give them the courage to, to ask myself or someone, and Lord, they could get that settled. For the rest of us this morning, Lord, I pray that... Uh, you would help us see and kind of get the, the thoughts of what uh, heaven is about and get, um, Lord, those thoughts and ideas out of, out of our mind because, Lord, we know that uh, the heaven where heaven is is just a temporary stay, that someday you'll create a new heaven and a new earth, and that's where we'll dwell. And, Lord, it'll go back to the uh, uncorrupt state. <clears throat> but, Lord, I pray that uh, you would help us see that the love that Jesus Christ has for us, Lord, that it's not contingent on our behaviors or our actions, Lord, but it's an unfeigned love, Lord. It's a, it's a love that's true and real and it doesn't depend on us and not these powers or principalities can separate us uh, from the love of Christ. And I pray that you would help us to understand that more and more every day and, Lord, that uh, you would help us to leave this week and not give the devil any am ammo, Lord, not give him any conversation uh, to accuse us with, um, but, Lord, uh, help us to remember to agree with our adversary quickly. And Lord, that's the best way that we can snuff this thing, Lord. And I pray that you'll do that. And for this meeting we'll have, Lord, I pray that it'll be brief and simple. And uh, Lord, we'll uh, thank you for it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we